It is Wednesday, January 27th, and you are listening to Steve Sachs Syndrome. I am Scott Bunn. And I am Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio, brought to you by humans and robots alike. (laughs) I'm overly enunciating because I'm in my own head. After your favorite football team loses in the AFC Championship game, uh, everything, you need to be specific about the things that you are saying. (laughs) In fear that you might let slip your true rage and disappointment. (laughs) Um, so we start there for those who are listening. So here we yeah. are. Only one football game left in the season. And I am one. sad about that. Yeah, I know. I, it's... I admit I have not. While football seemed kind of the most ridiculous of the sports as we headed into the COVID times because so much of the smashing together. Um, I feel <laughs> it's the most necessary. I sort of yeah. like, eh, hockey, basketball. Eh, you know, I know. Or like, I was like, don't take my football. I know. I I, I kind of feel like that anyway. I, I feel like that as well. I mean, it helps that my favorite team was having a, a a very good year, so it just allowed for like unrepentant joy, you know, yes. with that, and then also just of like something to look forward to, like a grounding, you know. Whereas, like as you say, like uh, hockey and basketball. They, they just happen like it's just on all the time whereas because of football's regimented like okay it's happening this weekend it's just like yes clear goal let's just get to sunday <laughs> um so we find ourselves looking back at this past weekend in which we had the afc and nfc uh, championships yes uh, the tampa bay buccaneers and tom brady Brady were able to go to Green Bay and beat the Green Bay Packers. And then also the Kansas City Chiefs uh, hosted their third straight AFC championship game and uh, did win decisively over the Buffalo Bills. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll get to the that second game, second, but we'll just start with the <laughs> Tampa Bay and Green Bay. And uh, I know as a Bills fan, it must be, are you kidding me that uh, – Tom Brady is going to another Super Bowl, but just as a man in his 40s, can you at least kind of go? That's kind of cool. Well, I mean, I I think I've said it on this show. We can go back into the archives and do it. He's the best quarterback I've ever seen. I mean, um, and the stats that are out there um, are just stupendous. So as a lover of the NFL and, Uh, connoisseur of NFL lore. Um, I mean, listen to this. He has, uh, he's 33 and 11 in the playoffs in his career. He has more than doubled the amount of any other quarterback with playoff wins. And that was Joe Montana. Uh, He's been to, uh, in his career, he's as a starter out of his 19 seasons, he's been to the conference championship game 14 times out of 19. And this will be the 55th Super Bowl in NFL history. Tom Brady will have appeared in 18% of them. That's incredible. It's just incredible. So, you know, I, I yes, am I rooting against Tom Brady? Of course I am. You know, <laughs> did I want the Green Bay Packers to go? Yes. But, like... I mean, just those stats are unbelievable. I, I, I can barely wrap my head around them. 
and the most impressive stat is winning, is advancing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, in looking at that game, I, I, I watched more of that game than, than the second game. Um, mm. and, and seeing that game, it was entertaining. First half was, was certainly very entertaining. Uh, but the Green Bay Packers had plenty of opportunities to win that game. Yeah. Um, with their also, you know, one of the all-time great quarterbacks, um, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but they didn't. And that's the only thing is just Tom Brady tends to win those games because in the second half, while he is one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest, he wasn't great in, in yeah. the second half. Wasn't As has great. been true many times during the year, he threw three interceptions, which were sort of on him. Yeah. Either kind of, you know, underthrowing or kind of overthrowing and tipping off the player's hands. You're like, that. that's, that's kind of on you. Um, yeah. So there was opportunities there, but I'll stay with credit to him. But... Uh, he goes and gets an opening drive touchdown. So impressive. Uh, yeah. And then also the closing score of the first half. They're sort of fourth and three, and then Green Bay sort of mishandled their timeouts a little bit. And then Tom Brady basically comes over and is like, no, we're going to go for it. We're going to get this fourth and three. And yeah. they do, and they get it. And then he sort of sees a vulnerability and uh, you know finds a guy getting behind the secondary, Scotty yeah. Miller. Scotty uh, Miller. Finds, finds him for, and that was all Tom Brady. Yeah, you can just tell, and even to uh, you know Bruce Arians credit, he's like, "Oh yeah, that's Tom Brady," you know, yeah. like, um, so those kind of things. While he was not again mechanically, you know, some people will just want to defend him across the board. Like, no, you can clearly see times where like, "Ooh, that that's not a great throw." Yeah, but in terms of head in the game and knowing like, how, you know, when you when you can, you do you must score and you score touchdowns, not field goals, all that kind of stuff. He's so good at that. Yeah, and uh, somebody said that the the Packers play defense on that play the same way that the Jets did to get Greg Williams fired. You know, <laughs> like it was just like, how are you leaving a guy one on one on one when that's really their only play in that situation? Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I I, um, I missed the the first half of it though. Quick story: we were we were in the car. And I said, oh, we'll, we'll turn on the radio and listen to a little bit of that. And Stella said, wait, you can listen to sports games on the radio? And I was like, most of the history of sports, that's the only way you could do that. And, you know, I did that quite a bit. That's how sometimes when this would happen, like the Bills game would not be sold out. You would have to listen to it on the radio. Um, and so funny. just... Just the idea of like, wait, what? <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, the second half and just um, he wasn't great. But as you said, um, he was going up against Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen. And um, it, it it's strange because Aaron Rodgers, um, his record in conference championship games is not very good. Um, I, I, he's only won one of them and I believe lost four or five. I don't have the stat in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, not sure what that is. You know, lots of different teams, um, or teammates, you know, a different coach. Um, but there are just some, there were a couple of opportunities like Tom Brady threw, you know, they scored a, um, he threw three interceptions in the second half. They scored a touchdown off of the first interception, but then didn't put any points on the board after those other two. And you're like, you, you just have to take advantage of those. If you're, if you're down late, you're getting gifts here. And, and they just couldn't do it. Yeah. There's two different examples of uh, the, the, you just, um, 
Yes. Into the first half. So yeah, Troy Aikman goes, you just can't let that happen. And he was right. <laughs> yeah. And also, you just have to take advantage of those. Um, yeah. I love doing that. And the hand comes out in the sort yeah. of soft chopping. You just have to. Um, yeah. Well, well, you need you need Joe, Joe Buck to set it up for Troy with that. <laughs> it's like, well, the Packers had the opportunity to go uh, to go, cut the lead by four. What do you think about that, Troy? You just you just can't let that happen. Um, <laughs> so there's a couple people are all uh, focusing on. You know, little less than two minutes left in the game. They have fourth and goal. Uh, they're down by eight at that point, and they yeah. choose to kick a field goal. Uh, statistically, there was time to potentially get the ball back and otherwise, but you just you just think, but why not do it now? When, yeah. when you have you know, one, certainly one of the most skilled quarterbacks ever and uh, with, with good players around him. So that was unfortunate. I do feel like the 2020-2021 playoffs have sort of been a referendum on do you go for it when it's fourth, that fourth down? Um, yeah. And those who have seem to have done well. Um, but there's just there's just something about the Green Bay Packers team, a little bit of the the posturing that sometimes I don't I don't always enjoy. Like there was one point when uh, Devontae Adams, incredibly talented wide receiver, um, scores a touchdown, but he's still mad at like mm. something earlier, like they should have scored it on a previous uh, mm-hmm. play, or whatever. So he sort of gets it. And he just sort of like flicks the ball away. I'm like, no, you scored. Yeah. This is the good stuff. You know, like, be happy. Why, yeah. why are you mad? <laughs> you scored. And I feel like there's a little bit of that runs through that team, you know. Yeah. Um, but, to, to, you know, I, I was early on in the season when everyone was calling that the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to the Super Bowl. I'm like, whoa, let, let's see them win one game in the Let's see them make the playoffs, you know. So I, yeah. I had a lot of pump the brakes here, but here they are going to the Super Bowl. And, and then uh, they. They won all three of their playoff games on the road to uh, get to the Super Bowl, and they get to play at home. Um, yeah. This is the the first Super Bowl um, in which a team gets to play in their home stadium. We've had, uh, like, the 49ers played in uh, Stanford Stadium. We saw the Rams in 1979 play in the Rose Bowl, but neither one of those were their home stadiums, despite right. them being very close to home. But yeah, so they get uh, they get a little bit of an advantage there after making the Super Bowl entirely on the road. And it's so perfect for the 2020 season. We'll carry it over that yeah, the first time a team gets to play in their home stadium for the Super Bowl, you can't really let many fans in. So. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Um, and then we take it over to uh, mm. Buffalo playing at Kansas City. And, that yeah, you know, I wrote down, Brazil, like, the Bills had, had a great run. Um, but, unfortunately for you, the Kansas City Chiefs are one of the all-time great teams. Yeah. Um, so, at some I, point, I, that, that comes, you are know, like, oh, right. We are playing at the same time of one of, one of the most efficient teams uh, to play this sport in a while. Yeah, and that's, um, I mean... Would I have liked us to win? Of course. But, um, you know, you joked at the top about my rage. I actually don't have any, you know, um, because I I knew we were going up against the Chiefs. We would have to play a perfect game to beat them. 
and get some breaks. You know, like you you need to play, you know, um, your A game, your A plus game, and you need the Chiefs to mess up a little bit or somebody get hurt or something like that. Not that I'm rooting for anyone to get hurt, but um, just needed that to happen. And we just weren't there. We weren't ready for it. And they were locked in. They were ready. They wanted to get this. Uh, they had been hearing about the Buffalo Bills for a couple of weeks now, I think. And they're like, we're going to beat this team and we're going to beat them good. And I, I didn't text this to you, but um, I texted it to Ryan Smart, who's um, who's been on the show and is a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And I said, this kind of feels like you're in the same conference as LeBron. Yeah. Um, or you're in the same conference as Michael Jordan. Like, okay, we have to play um, Patrick Mahomes like you just have to now game plan for him. Like, that's just what we have to do from now on. So, yeah, uh, is it disappointing? You know, there was some coaching decisions. You talked about uh, Matt LaFleur and the Packers kicking a field goal. There were two instances where it was like, why are you kicking this field goal after Sean McDermott has been so aggressive all year? Like, it kind of feels like, you're like, you can't like chip away at the points against the Chiefs. Like you have to just take advantage of your opportunities. And he just didn't. There was also some play calling stuff that, that wasn't great. But, you know, the offensive line for the Bills has been great all year. Chiefs made them look um, look bad. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs uh, defensive backs played an excellent game, you know. And so, you know, there were a couple of throws that Josh Allen – uh, wishes that he had back, but he didn't play, you know, horribly. He just played okay, and you can't play okay against the Kansas City no. Chiefs. Uh, two things. One, when uh, the Bills did go up early, and they uh, had a field goal, then scored a touchdown, but then missed the extra point, and I sort yeah. of joked, oh, they did that on purpose because they didn't want to get too far out in front, and they'll poke <laughs> the bear, which is yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs have come back from behind in yeah. past uh, football uh, games. Um, but I guess nine nine nothing was enough to poke the bear because yeah. they then went on a thirty eight to six run. Yeah, I mean it was incredible. I, I mean we couldn't stop them. You know, like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and then Mahomes. Even though I think he was a little bit limited in his mobility, but you know that means he's a pocket quarterback, and so they're just so good. And we don't have answers for those guys on defense. Uh, so we got to uh, close the segment soon. But I'm just curious. You know, so we always like to ask our guests, you know, how we were watching, how'd you react? Did you have to isolate? I think you mentioned something <laughs> about the, the kids not taking it so well. So what was it like uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to see that the Bills sort of fall mightily in, in their final game? Uh, did, did the food become more delicious, less delicious, you know? Well, um, you know, I don't really like to eat during the game, especially like a night playoff game. Like I kind of want to just do that. So we had gotten that sort of out of the way. You know, we had, I'll admit that I had some superstitions this year. And <laughs> as the as the winning streak kept, continued, I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but um, that's the wrong koozie. You need to use the other koozie. <laughs> So I was doing that, Tom. You you would have been proud of me um, throughout this whole run, uh, wearing specific things, sitting in specific places. Uh, none of it worked. And uh, so, yes, I kind of had a feeling of like, okay, if we're going to win this game, 
we need a couple of things to have. Oh, it's not happening. Not <laughs> happening. And so, you know, somewhere uh, around. Yeah. Use whatever koozie you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or somewhere around the third quarter, you know, it's, I'm sort of like, okay, I know where this is going. Um, and at some point that like uh, sunk in to Stella, especially, and then to Levi, I, I don't want to tell too many tales out of school, but um yeah, they uh, there was there were some tears. It was pretty distraught in the household, and uh, so yeah, there was a a, a good quarter of uh, consoling. Uh, yes, uh, I do hope you comforted them with saying, you know, Uncle Tom's team hasn't seen the playoffs in years. <laughs> um, but uh, no, uh, so uh, sorry about that. But I was yeah, just congrats to. Uh, Buffalo and, and for for a winning season for it was, was a fun was run that, on, on many levels many great games many great performances well we're back here and uh yeah we were talking about the NFL in the first segment we'll continue with some NFL talk but you know we we rarely uh there's only a few guests that we have that can speak to really pretty much any sport uh, and I can uh, vouch for this one. Uh, Eric Abronowitz, chef at Tupelo Honey, star basketball player at the <laughs> Fairview Basketball Court. Welcome back to the show, Eric. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm uh, excited to be back. Yeah. And as we said, like Eric's been on the show before. Uh, I, I remember there were a couple of years where you're like, we need to talk about the draft. You need to have me on the radio show. You know, <laughs> like there are a couple of those things. But it's also you're um, you're one of the few Nets fans that I know. We also have a lot of Mets fans that have come on the show, and um, I actually don't have a lot of Jets fans. So it's actually fun to have you as the triple threat: Jets, Mets, and Nets. Love love being the triple threat. Triple threat of pain is, but uh, but a triple threat nonetheless. <laughs> Uh, Eric, so I'll start with the question: Do you root within division when he gets to the playoffs? Do, do you root for the Bills because they come from the AFC East, or is like, uh, you know, the enemy of my friend? You know. <laughs> so I think I think Scott can attest to this. Um, anybody but the Patriots, right? Like mm-hmm. they've kicked us in the teeth for so many years. All of us in the division. Um, I hate the Dolphins too, but if they were in it yesterday, I'd be rooting for him because I want someone else to win other than Belichick. So yeah, I mean, I was, I was a hundred percent behind the bills yesterday. Um, it's a really, it's a great team. It's, it's something that I wish we had when we, you know, when, when we both had the opportunity in the same draft to do the same things and build the same team, one succeeded and the other one failed. It's hard. It's hard to root against them out of spite. So, yes. yeah, and I do remember that. I think um, we talked about Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and you were like, dude, I don't know about Josh Allen. And I was like, yeah, I sure would have liked to have Darnold drop. But, you know, the the guy that I was secretly hoping we would get was Lamar Jackson. And at first it felt like, OK, that's uh, that's um, that's who's going to be the best quarterback in this. And we see that now, you know, Allen is certainly um, in that, um, in that upper tier, I think in that conversation. Um, So yeah, let's talk about the Jets. Uh, You are now like, 
the number two pick in the draft, um, and you're you've got a, a new head coach. Who is your new head coach? I so Robert Sala. He was the defensive oh, coordinator yes. from the 49ers. Um, so how, what do you think about him? Well, he didn't he didn't look like he was bugging out of his head in the press conference, so that was a good start. Um, but uh, that is a reference to last year, Adam Gase, who was the yes. previous Jets. Uh, yeah. yeah, just had the weirdest. Uh, only Dan Campbell, um, who just got hired by the Lions, had an equally weird one. We're like, what a wonderful train wreck he is! What are you talking about? But yeah, so anyways, yeah, Robert Robert Sala seemed like a, a guy you could actually. Uh, you know, be in the same room with and not be nervous. Yeah, correct. I, you know what? I feel like uh, the one thing that ever comes out of a head coaching change is you always know exactly what you don't want. Um, you know, so when you were so focused on defense and now you're focused on offense, that was the last one. We needed an offensive guru to, to uh, groom Darnold, you know, and then now it was like, OK, well, this guy spent so much time on the offense and didn't do anything as, as far as running your team. Now, now we need a CEO type. Um, to run the team and to keep bring everybody together. I, I don't know the guy. He seems like he has the respect of his players. And that's more than we can say for the last 10 years worth of coaches that we had next to Rex Ryan, I guess. Um, so yeah, I mean, excited, maybe we're Jets fans. So show it to me <laughs> because at this point, you know, we've been through so many ups and downs, more downs and ups. Um, but you know, I, I just like to see a team that gets behind their coach and can win. Is there, um, uh, we don't need to sort of go into a huge um, litigation, relitigation of this, but were you one of those um, Jets fans who were upset when the Jets won, uh, losing the potential opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence? Or were you like, I don't know, just do what you're going to do, guys? So I'm completely to blame for the Jets losing that game because I had mocked up a Trevor Lawrence Jets jersey on NFL.com the day before um, and was about to hit the the purchase button. um, And then obviously that's not happening. No, I think it's so weird to root against your team, you know, and like as a fan, I would like to think that we all should have the mindset of the players. I do believe that the players and the coaches are there to win every every game uh, that they're put there to, to win. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to root against them. My, my buddy is a, uh, a bears fan and he was in Jacksonville, um, for the game against the bears where they locked up the number one pick for Lawrence. And he was there in COVID with 8,000 people in the entire stadium rooting for the team to lose with the team on the field. He said it was the most surreal experience he's ever been to. I just, I couldn't get behind that. Yeah, it would have been nice to get Lawrence. He's the generational quote-unquote player. But, um, you know, you're a fan of a team. You're supposed to support the team. Yeah, it it, it always feels a little bit backwards. Um, do you, um, are you feeling um, hopeful about Justin Fields? I mean, definitely in that college football playoff when, um you know, Ohio State beat Clemson. He looked fantastic, you know, not so good against Alabama, but then people don't look good against Alabama often. Are you kind of like, yeah, this looks like a guy I can get behind, or are you like, I kind of want to stick with Darnold? Um, I'm a little bit all over the place right now, and that doesn't that doesn't help for conversation, but um, right now the conversation in New York is completely around Deshaun Watson um, because oh, – yeah. He came out and said yesterday um, or released a list of teams um, that would be his preferred trade destination. And the Jets were number one. The Dolphins were number two. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you go 
the reason the Bills are so successful, and Tom touched on this in the in the pre-show, was they have seemingly a great player at every position, but they're doing it through the draft and rookie contracts. You know, when you're not paying your quarterback $40 million a year, it's pretty easy to spread that money around and find players and fill holes. Um, and, you know, the Jets are building themselves up to do that. And now we're staring at this generational talent and Deshaun Watson that wants to be part of our team, uh, which would cost us everything that we've built as far as capital is concerned. It's a tough one right now. I don't, I don't know what to do. Do I believe in Darnold? Yeah, I do. He's really super talented. Um, and do we have the, the draft capital and the money to spend behind him to make, to make it worth his while to, to show up and try to be Josh Allen? Yeah, we do. But then there's Deshaun Watson. Just yeah. sitting there, you know. Yeah, I thought when the, they dropped down to number two, I actually thought it was a little bit of a, a blessing in disguise because it just left options open. Because if you yeah. get the number one, then you're just like, well, now we have to, and then you have to hire the coach to coach Lawrence. You know, it just it it, it sort of railroaded all your options. Where now two is still pretty good. Um, uh, and uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson saying, yeah, either the Jets or the Dolphins. Um, I like it. I know I'm getting into a, a larger conversation. We talked yeah. about this a long time, which is like the NFL trying to mandate sort of, um, you know, a racial hirings kind of thing yeah. um, and sort of, you know, taking draft picks away. My suggestion was like, wow, I really think it should come from the player side. Uh, I really think yeah. it's like, well, I had a chance to go to a couple of different places, but I signed here because I wanted to play for a black coach kind of thing. Um, and I know uh, Robert Sala and uh, Brian Flores, um, you know, are coaches of color, not exactly, you know, uh, black coaches, but still, I like that. That's the thing. It's like, I want to, I want to play for those guys. I think that's a great, and I know it, it opens up a Pandora's box a little bit. Like, well, how would you feel about a player going, well, I want to play here because he's a white coach. You know, I know that's a little tricky. But anyways, I like Deshaun Watson going, I, I want to go to these places because I like the hires they did for coaches. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a that's a nice power move. And it seems like Deshaun Watson along the way has, has not been a, an ingrate in Houston. He just got to a point of like, this is ridiculous. Well, you know, to your point, he's doing the reason he wants to leave Houston. One of the biggest reasons is because he had a conversation with the owner about what type of coach he wanted to hire. Coincidentally, there was a black man and, you know, like and they didn't pay attention to him. So, yeah, yeah I think, you know, it, it goes both ways. I'm glad the players are speaking up for for the necessity to have diversity in the coaching ranks, the necessity to have uh, diversity in the ownership ranks. Uh, and the general manager level and all of that stuff. It's super important for the future of sport. It's super important for the future of our kids and, and learning what's, what's good and what's not good about, you know, big business and that type of thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm glad the players are talking like that. And I'm glad they're, I hope Deshaun Watson uh, chooses with his actions because how cool would it be for a black quarterback to be with the first Muslim coach in the NFL, yeah. uh, in, head coach in the NFL. I think that is, you know, it's awesome. If God willing, it would only be that it was the first female GM and the first black, you know, Muslim yeah. coach. And we got to get there. And so Deshaun Watson seems like he's, he's on, on the path. And one quick thing. Um, so next year, uh, Deshaun Watson would only cost the, if they went with the Jets or wherever, only cost 10 million, which right. is really not that much. And then, yeah, the following year goes up to like the 35 million. But at that point you might have to be paying Sam Darnold 
somewhat close to that. So next year, if we pick up his fifth year option, we're paying Sam Darnold twenty five million dollars. So, you know, we've already lost that window of him being cheap. He was the number three overall pick. It gets super expensive. Um, Whereas, you know, Josh Allen being what was he, the 12th, 10th pick, seventh, seventh pick. He was a little less expensive. Um, So I don't know. You're, you're, the window on Darnold is closing from him being a cheap rookie quarterback yeah. to the point where you're going to have to pay him. Now, if you told me you're going to extend him for three years at a reasonable rate, like $20 million, not kill yourself in cap, and the Jets have five of the first 90 picks this year and two first-round picks and two third-round picks next year. That's a haul in the draft, more than any other yeah. team. So if you had him guaranteed locked up for a number that wasn't going to hurt you, and he showed flashes of brilliance, which he has, then I, I don't know. I could sign up for that tomorrow. I don't feel good about Justin Fields. I feel decent about Zach Wilson. Um, but mm. I'll tell you what, I feel better about Mac Jones and Trey Lance than I do any of those guys. Wow. You know, it's it's the guys that have come from the small programs, the Josh Allens, the Carson Wentz's. They're the ones that have kind of taken the NFL a little bit more by storm. I'm done with USC quarterbacks between Mark Sanchez (laughs) and Sam Darnold, to be honest with you, and big program kids. So I don't know. Justin Fields hasn't done it for me since that one game where he was lights out. Um, But he just, I don't, then again, you know, there are people that do this for a living and they still don't get it right. Um, You know, otherwise Lamar Jackson wouldn't have gone 29th overall to the Ravens. So it is what it is. Um, Yeah. And the last thing you want is for Sam Darnold to go to, say, San Francisco or, God forbid, New England and become a good quarterback. Uh, And you know he will. And uh, that's just like (laughs) the one thing that you don't want where you're just like, thanks, Rich Kotite 2.0 for doing this to us, you know. Yeah. Uh, So do we want to shift gears quickly to the Mets? Uh, More more commiserating with your uh, okay. uh, <laughs> difficultly uh, managed teams. Um, yeah, so the uh, New York Mets ended up being in the headlines again uh, just a little while back for, for good reasons. They, they made some some big deals. And, you know, uh, we had a friend of the show, uh, Mike Price, on a while back to talk about the, the new GM. And um, so, yeah, went out. The new and got, owner. Uh, the new owner. The new owner, excuse me. Um, yeah. and, and got... Uh, Lindor from the Cleveland Indians, um, just great personality, great talent. Also brought in a, a pitcher as well. So good. Look, the, the Mets are making things happen. Gosh, yeah. Who's this? Uh, who's this GM? And then, unfortunately, uh, we found out who this GM was. And uh, and then same old Mets happened, which is same you know, old Mets. just the normal thing. I don't know. Um, Jared Porter is everything that's wrong with baseball and business and mm. misogyny, you know, like he is, he, he's a kid that worked his tail off to get where he is. Who's done everything right in his world, as far as business is concerned. And then just couldn't, couldn't take the 10th step to be a decent human being. And, and I, I'm glad he failed and I'm glad it, uh, I'm glad it, it got him. And, and I'm glad the Mets had the reaction they did. Um, it, it's absolutely unfortunate um that you know it's funny so they were sandy alderson had a video conference the day after they fired him or the the day they fired him um and a female reporter got on and said um sandy you know you said you vetted him and 
you talk to all of these people in baseball and, and, you know, however many people, 10, 15 people, um, I'm just curious, are any, were any of them women? Mm. And Sandy Alderson said, no, un- unfortunately, there aren't women in this game to vet at the level that we were betting at. Um, and that's a problem. And, and I hope, if anything, this brings awareness to the fact that, you know, women have a place in baseball and sports. Um, and, and, you know, the creepy nonsense that this kid did and I can say kid cause he's younger than me. Um, <laughs> doesn't, uh, doesn't belong in sports. Yeah. Just to quickly recap. So this, the, the now recently fired GM, uh, back in 2016, um, sort of had a, a texting relationship with a, a female reporter. Uh, she, we, uh, English was not, uh, her only language. So uh, she said it was sort of, she wasn't quite sure kind of what some of this was. And as soon as she got to a place where she was comfortable and said, please stop texting me. Um, he continued to do so, even though he had been sending sort of like, Hey, can you want to come over and sending like 10 pictures of his hotel room and pictures of himself in his hotel room and all that kind of stuff. And it was just, just one of those things of you just find out like, you know, there are different levels of harassment. There is just, you know, obviously pinning someone in a hallway and awfulness there. But there's also like, why are you texting someone like 10 times within like, you know, uh, 10 minutes to be like, you sure? You want to come over? You sure? And just that level of man who can't be told no is just... 62 unreturned text messages is what it was. Well, you know? Yeah, and so... Just getting away from that awfulness, because um, I, I don't. <laughs> that makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but just the um, the idea of the Mets now have had two sort of um, hires, uh, uh, sort of uh, where they've had to immediately fire someone, not based on their necessarily their performance, by Carlos Beltran, who was fired like hired as a manager and then fired like a week later, it seemed like uh, because of his role in the Astros uh, sign stealing um, system that the Astros had. Um, And so then this guy um, getting fired, you know, basically what, three weeks, four weeks into his job. So now the Mets have now had to do this twice. Yeah. Neither of them made their 30th day and that, you know, one general manager and one coach or head coach, uh, in in two years both had to be fired it's it you know it it just reminded us again we're all us as Mets fans we're all on a high right we we had these incompetent owners for years for 25 years um and they did the stupidest things and they didn't invest in anything that was important and you watch these organizations like the Bernie Madoff yeah, except Bernie Madoff. <laughs> it's a funny story, Bernie Madoff. You know, the whole Bobby Bonilla thing about his payday is because yeah. of Madoff. Um, oh, it's yeah, because yeah. They, they put that money out because they thought they would get the returns to pay him off every year if they kept their money with Madoff. See how well that worked out. <laughs> so, you know, we get this new owner in Steve Cohen, who's one of us. I mean, he is a fan. He uh, he cares about this team the way that we do. He, he you know, lives and breathes and, and bleeds orange and blue in the way that we do and then it happens again and yeah. so you can't make it up you can't okay we are back here on steve sack syndrome we've got eric gabronowitz on the line with us so we're gonna move past off the field stuff move over to the court move over to the nba where i'm like do i know any nets fans 
I actually do, because when I first was talking to you, Eric, about basketball, I just assumed you were a Knicks fan. Um, so, and you were like, no, Nets fan. I have been for years. So how are you a New Jersey Nets, now Brooklyn Nets fan? How did that so, happen? So I actually grew up a Bulls fan, as everyone did my age. Um, uh, you know, that's like the equivalent of being a Warriors fan now when you're eight years old. <laughs> right. Um, and so, you know, I fell in love with Scottie Pippen and and uh, Michael Jordan and that entire team. And I was galvanized by them. And I kind of lost touch um, with basketball in my early teens, uh, partially because I didn't play as much as I had when I was younger. Um, and then I moved into New York City and I moved in uh, to an apartment with three kids from Long Island who were diehard Nets fans. Um, nice. And so all we did was gamble on basketball and uh, and smoke too many things and, and have a good time. And I ended up falling in love with that team with Kerry Kittles and mm. Jason Kidd and yeah. uh, Todd McCullough was my favorite, um, you know, like, so I just started becoming a Nets fan because they were, you know, in a city full of underdogs, they were the ultimate underdogs. There's nobody mm. even knew they existed. Um, and they play in the Brendan Byrne arena who nobody even knows where that is. So it, it was, uh, it was pretty cool to become a Nets fan, to have that little bit of a passion. And then, uh, you know, now years later when they're actually good, and they were good for a really good stretch in the early 2000s, mm -hmm. um, but now they're good and they're talked about and they're the hot team. And uh, it's nice to actually be a fan and have, you know, my Jason Kidd jersey sitting over here. Yeah, not only are you the only Nets fan that I know, you're the only Todd McCullough fan that I yeah, know. Yeah, well, there's not many Todd McCullough fans <laughs> on the face of the planet. Maybe in, uh, he went to NC State, right? So maybe I, at NC State. I, I have no idea, but that's yeah. awesome if he did, because <laughs> now I'm going to get an NC State Wolfpack jersey. Um, but yeah, now to be a Brooklyn Nets fan is a little less of the, you know, rooting for the, uh, the little brother that uh, no one pays attention to. Right. They became, you know, so the Knicks have sort of uh, relinquished their spot as the uh, uh, center of interest for New York, uh, for basketball in New York. And then the, the Nets have been working well to put together a, a, a decent team of late, you know, definitely making the playoffs as the seventh or eighth seed with some, you know, a good players. But then they were able to uh, bring in the major talent uh, last year by bringing in Kyrie Irving and... Um, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant uh, at the same time. And then uh, just recently being able to bring in James Harden, who wanted out of Houston. Um, so you kind of have to like your team no matter you know what the roster is like. But uh, are you OK with this? It's crazy, uh, but we'll it's see. Or you're like, why did we bring in a bunch of guys who are not? Uh, 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 I, I mean, I think uh, James Harden is a very particular person. And I do think the me media spends too much time worrying about what James Harden and Kyrie Irving are doing, you know, just like, correct. Just, just let them play basketball. Um, right. anyways, so how do you feel about the makeup of your team? Are you still rooting for them the same way you did for those, uh, Carrie Kittles teams at Brendan Byrne arena? I don't know that I'm rooting for them the same way. Um, I think it's a heat. It, it's very similar to when you were a heat, if you were a heat fan and then all of a sudden you had Bosch and LeBron and, um, it's ND Wade. Um, it's different. I, I, I glad they're there they're phenomenal <laughs> talents um but you know when you on the surface you can see these phenomenal talents and then you look behind it and see what they gave up to get there um and it, it's part of the reason you know previous segment us talking about Deshaun Watson how that could happen and what you would have to give up and 
wipe away. But the Nets did this eight, nine years ago. They traded for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett traded everything they had to the point where they finally, it took them 10 years to recover from those two players that didn't want to be there, um, who hated that team. Um, They traded everything they had away. Now they've done it again. Now you've done it again with arguably three of the top 10 players in all of basketball, which is a little different than Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. But, you know, again, they're three of the best players in basketball. If they can (laughs) learn to work together and play together, we will go to the finals, right? There's that's why you did this. Um, You gave up eight draft picks, eight, four number ones and four right to swaps uh, for the next nine years or however however long it was. Uh, You did this because you need to win in the next two to three years, or you want to win in the next two to three years to create the brand that you're hoping to do so that, the next generation of kids that are eight years old aren't wearing Golden State jerseys. They're wearing Brooklyn jerseys. And that's really important to business. So I don't know. Uh, I, I watched three of their last games. They're really super talented. Yeah. They're, man- they're managing to lose uh, to the Cavaliers. I don't get that. But at the same time, um, once they figure it out, you know, we're guaranteed to be a one, two, three seed and actually have a chance. Well, the strange thing about it is uh, sort of Tom doing the summary, you know, there's been so much focus on Kevin, uh, on Kyrie and on James Harden, but because Durant was out of the league uh, because of that Achilles um, injury for all of last year, and we had a delay to the start of this season, it feels like Kevin Durant is under the radar, you know, and you, you have like, you have Kevin Durant on your team, like, you know, right before his injury, you could say that he was the best player in the league, like better than LeBron at that point, he was playing so well, so out of his mind, good. And yeah, there's because of Kyrie, his specific kind of personality because of the sort of drama about Harden wanting to be out of Houston out of his quote-unquote weight problems I think he was maybe wearing something uh, because suddenly he looked a lot thinner when he got to Brooklyn but all of a sudden and I keep having to remind myself like Kevin Durant is on your team and he had the worst injury that a basketball player can have an Achilles injury and he looks pretty much the same he is the most talented player on that team without a doubt, hands down. um, I would put him top three in all of basketball. He is that good. Um, You know, when you, when you talk about you traded for a player and paid him $40 million to sit out for a year, you have to be pretty damn good or Mm -hmm. darn good or anything of the sort. Um, That's that said, you know, Kyrie is the Ricky Williams of our team right now. Not really, not really sure what's going on with that guy. Um, but at the same time, just leave him alone and let him play ball. And if he's got to go away to see his family for a couple of days, let him go see his family for a couple of days. Um, I don't know. I, I'm enjoying watching them, even though they haven't started winning yet, because it's inevitable that they're going to start winning. And that's why you build this team this way. That's why you mortgage everything about your future of building a team any other way than with dollars and cents. Yeah, watching the Nets uh, over the last couple of weeks, all I can say is bet the over. Yes, yeah. correct. Because <laughs> um, they are going to score 125 points a game. The question is, can they hold the other team mm-hmm. under 125 points, which they have not been able to do that much yet uh, against teams like, yeah, the Cavaliers. So uh, the, the player who got 
uh, traded away and then ended up in the Cavaliers, he sure was happy to uh, throw some dunks down that game. Yeah, I bet he was. You know, we gave up some good talent. Uh, Karis LeVert is a great player. Mm. Um, he is a future star in this league. He's going to be good for a long time. Um, and God knows what we could have gotten for all of these dra- all of this draft capital. But again, you you did this to win a championship now in the next year or two. That's how you do it if you don't want to do it the hard way. And so that's kind of where they are. Um, and I can't I can't hate on them for it. You know, like they were building the right way with Sean Marks as the GM and Steve Nash as the coach, building up this young core of great players. And then they said, screw it. I'm just going to get what I can get. And, and they, you know, they did it. So um, as a fan, who's it's fun to watch either way. It's a lot more fun to watch than someone else doing it in the division. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's true. Um, quick story on the uh, Karis Levert. It was a really uh, specific thing that happened. So he gets traded, ends up on the Indiana Pacers. Um, and he's sort of like, <laughs> Oh, bummer, man. Like I mean, not that he's got anything against the Pacers, but he really liked being a net. Um, but as it turns out, during his physical, um, the doctor's like, uh, can we do another test? And they found like a mass on his liver and yeah. hooray that he's in a position to get a, a immediate medical care and everything. But he said, if not for that trade, they probably wouldn't have found that and he may not have uh, survived it. Yeah, it's, that's pretty incredible. There's actually been about three or four different examples of that in the history of, you know, probably the last 10 years and. Major League Baseball, I was trying to think of who it was. It was someone similar that uh, was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and they didn't know it until he got traded and went for his medical. Like, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, and so thankful that that happened the way it did. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, the chatter around uh, um, Brooklyn or New York before the, the deal happened was that they weren't going to give up Levert because he was just too talented of a player. And imagine if they had the three of them and him. Um, and so no one thought they were going to. So, I mean, it just shows how cool it is that, uh, that something like that happened, but good for Karis Levert. Uh, and, you know, I hope he gets better soon. Yeah. The, reading the tea leaves, it seemed as though Harden was going to be ending up in Philadelphia um, for, for Ben Simmons. It seemed like mm-hmm. that was inevitable. So it was kind of a shock to see this, but just going back to what you said, like, Sean Marks and the Nets organization had, you know, done this sort of homegrown, like bring on these uh, these kids and everything. But when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving said, hey, hey, we want to play for your team, you kind of have to make it happen. You do. You have to make it happen. And when James Harden becomes available and you say, oh, wait, I could lose any one of these three to another Achilles injury and still compete for a championship – and and I can afford it under whatever salary cap exists, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it clearly yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't claim to understand you know exemptions in basketball and all of the things, but there is no way that there's a salary cap in basketball if you're paying these three guys at the same time. Um, so, I mean, what's uh, what's interesting though is like you said, that, like they could be one of the top three seeds. The Sixers are playing really well, you know. They are. Uh, and, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, Milwaukee is still very good. Tom's favorite team, the Celtics, uh, always have a good team. Yes, not as great right now. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting, as you say, like, um, you know, once they figure out how to play. And, you know, there's also still the Lakers who are excellent. Uh, so it, it, the 
the NBA just continues to be fascinating and wide open where every week I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I don't know either. Like you said, you know, you have three of the biggest players in, in the league on the same team and I'll still take the bucks over the nets any day right now (laughs) in the way they play. Um, Maybe not the Celtics, Tom, but you know, the, the bucks are good and, and they're playing well and the 76ers are good and they're playing well. So um, yeah. And then, you know, what do you get for your troubles? If you make it through all of that, you get the Lakers. It's, it's going to be tough. You've sort of been an interesting place with your three teams. You've got the Jets who are sort of kind of building back up from the bottom. Uh, you've got the Mets who still have, have had good pitching all along. Um, yeah. But they're sort of uh, climbing back into it with someone who's willing to spend some money. And then you have your Nets who are like, well, I'm all in. You know, they yeah, just push the right. ships to the center of the <laughs> yeah. table and be like, if this doesn't happen in 21 or 22, uh, well, then we'll have 10 years of being what the Jets were for the last 10 years. Yeah, uh, 100%. Or where the Knicks have been for the last eight years. You know, yes. like, um, it, it's funny, the, the Knicks and the Nets. The Knicks, the Knicks have the luxury of having a rabid fan base that will go and support them no matter how terrible they are. Right. Um, the Nets don't have that luxury. If the Nets are like the Knicks, you know, for the last eight years, they have an empty brand new arena. Um, the Knicks, you can go and they're playing, you know, they're, they've won three games this year and they're still selling out Madison square garden. It's just, it's uncanny. Um, so it's a little bit different currency that you have to work with in that town. But yeah, I mean, I like where my teams are at. I like where the Mets are at. Um, that's really hard to say. Um, (laughs) I like where the jets are at from a standpoint of, we have this coach that's respected. We, We haven't had that in years. Um, we have a GM that I really honestly believe crushed the draft last year, um, mm. with what he had to do and seems like he has his head on his shoulders. Um, now if we don't screw it up, we're going to be all right, but, uh, we'll screw it up because, you know, Jared Porter and all of the things that happened <laughs> to me and my fandoms. Hey, Eric, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time and thank you for bringing your, your ets hot takes for us. Listen, if you want me to break down the AS Roma Serie A table, I'm happy to do that too next time, all right? So you just let me know. Yeah, that's right. I forgot you're a Serie A guy too. Thank you, Eric. Our thanks go out to Eric Gabranovich yes. for coming on the show. Always great to have Eric. Always great to have a New Yorker's energy on so Steve Ducks. Syndrome. Just a tip to those who want to be a future guest. If you can find a way to have your teams rhyme, yeah, yes. it works in your favor. <laughs> yes, if we really want to make that happen. Uh, Tom, you did a little research. I did. Well, I was just in watching the games this weekend, uh, watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who went on to win and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs who went on to win. Uh, the the Packers and Bills as well, but just those teams like man, they have so many stars, you know, mm. all around. Um, so I was just starting to think like, have they just spent so much more money than all the other teams? And that's just not the not the case. So I thought I would just give a little love to some of the GMs who mm. clearly have done their work, so that even when injuries whatever happen, um, they do well. So I, I took a look, and uh, so yeah, you know. Uh, Kansas City spends a fair amount of money. Uh, they, but you know, two hundred fifteen million um, last year. Um, but that's not too much more than you know, like the Bills spend two hundred fourteen. So it's not that much more. Um, but the big thing you notice, and then uh, Tampa Bay spent one hundred ninety-seven million. 
um, when uh, Green Bay read about the same. But the big thing is you see the teams that have struggled have uh, hits against the cap, which is basically yeah. dead money, which is, you know, for a, a contract that you've cut or, really, or you know, just that guy ain't playing for, for you anymore, but you're still paying him or injured reserve. Um, which are hard things to predict, but you just look at some teams, you know, like you wonder, hey, what happened to the Minnesota Vikings this year? They have $70 million in sort of yep. you know, money you don't want. 35 uh, dead money, 35 of injured reserve. Uh, we think the Carolina Panthers are a pretty well-run team. Uh, they have $52 million in dead money um, this, this year, and then 29 in injured reserve. Um and then, yeah, so it's, some things you can't predict. The San Francisco 49ers, a team that, we, again, we consider it was well run, they had $79 million paid to injured reserve this year. Um, yeah. So just tricky. So, again, so uh, Jason Light is the uh, uh, the GM for Tampa Bay, and uh, Brett Veach is for uh, Kansas City. But uh, you look at the bills. Uh, so Brandon Bean, right? But mm-hmm. you can look at they only have $9 million in dead money and only $3 million in injured reserve. That's a sign of, you know who you, you're not making terrible deals and you're also not um, paying players to sit at home. Yeah. And some of that, um, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, when they came on board first McDermott and then Bean um, a few months later after the draft, that was like the first thing they had to do like after the 2017 season. So Josh Allen's um, rookie year, you know, we've been hearing so much like his completion percentage, which is just driving me crazy. Like they did a like a roster of who were the offensive players that were with Josh Allen on that, um, on his rookie team. None of them are in the league anymore. They were just so, the, the Bills were paying so much dead money. So they just, sort of swallowed the medicine and just did it on that 2018 year. And they were really bad, but they just like, we have to get off this dead money to give us flexibility. And so that's where we are. And yeah, Brandon Bean has won a couple of executive of the year awards for it. Now, so, really good. what may be true is it might be really hard for these teams to stay in. They might be, you know, on the books right now to be spending to 30 to 50 million uh, next year. So they'll have to do some cuts and some contract yeah. reworkings and things, but at least, you know, all you want to do is have a chance to go to the Super Bowl and, and win. Um, and those teams uh, did it well. They, yeah. they, they managed their money decently. And particularly for Kansas city, when you've been doing this for a couple of years, you figure that stuff's going to start to catch up. You got to kind of pay all your top players mm-hmm. and things. And they found a way to spread it around just enough and not be, um, inundated by just terrible decisions with, with contracts. And you just have to draft well. I mean, uh, Eric said that too. Like, rookie, um, you know, first-year deals for all across the board, but especially quarterbacks. But if you can get starters, you know, from the fifth round, from the fourth round, from the sixth round at, you know, key positions, offensive line, defensive line, defensive back, you're going to be so much better uh, and in better cap shape. Indeed. Tail end of the show, we'll often take a few seconds just to recognize uh, celebrities, athletes who have left us during this time. Uh, and unfortunately, it, it, there was many this week. We'll start uh, Larry King. Uh, mm. Here we are interviewing people. Um, 
I've well, got we, my big mic right here, too. We have some debt to pay to, to Larry King and listen to a, a great reposted interview that he did with uh, Mark Marin on WTF. Yep. And uh, Larry King wanted to be a sports brat. He thought he was going to be a sports guy. He thought he was going to um, be a broadcaster. And he did go on to call some Dolphins games and otherwise, but that's what he thought his path would be. Um, but instead, he just went on to just <laughs> interview people or forever, never, never, never. So uh, he uh, passed away uh, this week after you know, a full life. Um, we should have but- interviewed Eric as Larry King and tell me about Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, a tough week for the Atlanta Braves organization mm-hmm. going uh, over more than a week ago. So uh, Don Sutton, the, mm-hmm. uh, their pitcher and longtime broadcaster, uh, passed away. Uh, really quickly, I did have a chance to uh, interact with him. I got to uh, do some writing for a Turner South Upfront, which is basically mm-hmm. when the networks kind of premiere their shows for advertisers. And so I got to write the silly wraparound of like, oh, welcome to Country Cafe here at the <laughs> Turner South. Yeah, it was terrible and I wasn't hired again. Um, but uh, he was there and yeah, totally exactly what you would think uh, he wasn't quite as entertaining as dusty Rhodes, who was awesome <laughs> but he was good but the big loss this week and we hope to maybe talk about it more next week is uh, is uh hank aaron henry aaron um just you know an incredible baseball player uh, just statistically alone but when you consider uh, what he did in the face of you know just racial uh, opposition and uh, and acrimony is incredible and the fact that you don't know how great Henry Aaron it was shows you how great Henry Aaron was. He wasn't a big look at me, look at me. Uh, he was just like, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what I was given the gift to do, which is uh, <laughs> hit and catch and run a baseball kind of thing. And so uh, very sad to see him go. Yeah. And we'll talk about more about that in future episodes. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.